This is Search for Truth, your weekly Bible teaching program. Hello and thanks for joining us. Today Brian brings the second talk on the subject of Christian faithfulness and loyalty. Uh, the series is called Would You Also Go Away? In this series of Bible-based talks, Brian will be taking a deeper look into the issues surrounding our allegiance to the Christian faith and the Lord's teaching for his disciples. So hopefully we can all learn to become more firmly grounded in our Christian faith. So now let's hear from Brian. Thanks, John. The man was a decorated warrior, victorious in many campaigns, and highly respected by his king. He was a military man at the very top of his career. But there was one battle that he was losing, and that was his personal fight against the dread disease of leprosy. Naaman's home, for that was the name of this army captain, contained the spoils of war from different conquests, but one was to become of special value to him. She was a young girl, taken captive from the land of Israel, from among God's people, and she now served his wife. It appears that she was a helpful girl with a pleasing disposition. When you consider she'd been uprooted from her family at an early age and removed to a foreign land, this is all the more remarkable. She held no bitterness or resentment, it seemed, against those who were now her owners, and from that fact, perhaps, we can assume they treated her well. Naaman's disease couldn't be hidden. It was the only thing that troubled that otherwise successful home. It didn't go unnoticed even by the young captive slave girl, who bore no ill will against her captor. One day, when a suitable opportunity came, she dared to say to her mistress that she wished that her master, the army captain, could visit the prophet who lived back in her native land. Before her captivity, she'd been aware of his reputation and possibly even known of some of his exploits directly. She certainly knew the power of God was with him and often with miraculous results. In her youthful, earnest way, she testified of all this to the captain's wife. When she said, I wish that my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, then he would cure him of his leprosy. She spoke with such a clear conviction that Naaman's wife felt she simply had to share it with her husband. Far from dismissing this idea, which had begun to circulate in the home, Naaman reported it to the king. That even the king took it seriously with full credence bore testimony to the impact that this young girl's statement had made. Soon the king was writing a letter addressed to his counterpart in the girl's country, the land of Israel. And so it was that one day soon after, armed with that letter of introduction and request from the king, the famous captain set off on what was his most important mission yet, the search for a cure for his killer disease. At first, things didn't appear to be going well. The king of Israel took offence at the letter, suspecting it was some kind of scheme to engineer a quarrel. How could he fulfil such an impossible request? And so how could he avoid giving offence by his refusal or failure? Fortunately, the prophet, whom the young girl had so well remembered, heard of the king's visitor and the king's explosive reaction to what he considered was a preposterous demand. Send him to me, he said. Naaman and his entourage soon rolled up at the prophet's door. Now things are progressing, Naaman might have thought, but his rising mood of optimism soon took a hit. There was no fanfare, 
no personal appearance by the holy man, no flourish of the hand. Instead, the man's servant came out to greet the famous warrior in what seemed like an off-hand manner, with some ridiculous talk about taking a bath in some muddy water. Surely the military commander was worthy of more respect than this. His pride having been stung with this insult, he turned his chariots towards home. But cooler heads among his servants prevailed. Give it a try. What have you got to lose? They counselled him. After all, you were prepared to try anything, to go to any length to be cured. So why not try this? Naaman would ever afterwards be grateful for such wise and courageous servants and for the fact that he did have second thoughts. He went down to the Jordan River and bathed himself the specified seven times, finally emerging with renewed skin. It was now time to return to Elisha, the man of God, and express his deep gratitude. This is how we pick up the story from the Bible's account in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 15. When he returned to the man of God with all his company and came and stood before him, he said, Behold now, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel, so please take a present from your servant now. But he said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will take nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Naaman said, If not, please let your servant at least be given two mules load of earth, for your servant will no longer offer burnt offering, nor will he sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. In this matter, may the Lord pardon your servant, when my master goes into the house of Rimmon to worship there, and he leans on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Rimmon. When I bow myself in the house of Rimmon, the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. He said to him, Go in peace. So he departed from him again some distance. Through Naaman, we learn that God's gifts, including the gift of salvation, are not to be paid for. They are all of God's grace, and that comes to us through Christ and his cross. It's not altogether clear what the thinking of this new convert to the God of Israel was. He admits he'd now have a troubled conscience about all future worship in the house of the false god Rimmon. He asked for forgiveness in advance, for persisting in doing what he now knew was a wrong thing to do. That, of course, is a faulty notion, betraying an insincere repentance. We simply can't bargain with God and say, in effect, Well, Lord, I know your word says A, but please understand the way it is with me. I'm afraid I'm going to have to do B. I'm sure, however, you'll understand. Naaman doubtless considered himself to be trapped in an impossible situation. His duties of state and his master's protection demanded of him that he should accompany him in pagan worship although his heart was no longer in it, for he now knew better. There are many today who feel themselves to be compromised in a similar way. Family ties, political pressure or logistical and geographical challenges shape their choice of worship. They've learned the truth from God's word, but cannot bring themselves for one reason or another to give full expression to it because of the situation they find themselves in. Naaman was not of God's people, Israel, at that time. That racial distinction was significant then. It may seem, accordingly, that Elisha's response to Naaman's request conferred approval, or at least toleration, of his 
two mules load of earth idea. Even if this should have been the case then, it wouldn't apply today when Jew and Gentile are now on an equal footing and all are equally under obligation, without exception, to give a full response to our Lord's biblically revealed teaching as to how we should serve and worship him. We can't be sure what exactly Naaman planned to do with his two mules load of earth when he got it back home. Was this to be a mere holy relic? Or was he intending to build an earthen altar to the true God in that land, one that would be for his private devotions, cancelling out, as he thought, the times when he would be compelled to prostrate himself still before the idol of a false deity? Whatever was the case, we dare not expect the Lord's indulgence if we ask for a two-mules-load-of-earth-type compromise. Our own tailor-made workarounds may satisfy our conscience, but they don't in any way satisfy the high demands of God's word. Some say, God will understand that this is where I've always worshipped him, or it'd break my mother's heart if I were to leave the place where she and her mother before her have always worshipped God. Naaman's recorded pragmatic attempt at a compromise cannot be taken as grounds for such thinking. The approach God endorses is a thoroughgoing one, as when he called Abraham out from his family and country to devote himself to the God of glory who'd freshly revealed himself to him. In Genesis 12 and verse 1 we read, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. Abraham's uncompromising obedience of faith is consistently endorsed as an example for us in the Bible. This is the standard God clearly expects, even to the breaking of family ties and past customs. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and said to him, Leave your country and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. Then he left the land of the Chaldeans. And the New Testament commentary is, in Hebrews 11, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. Will you also go like Abraham?
I hope you enjoyed Brian's talk today. If you'd like to make a comment or ask a question, please write in. And、uh, you can also send for the free transcript booklet. If you'd like one copy or more to use for group Bible study or pass on to friends, then let us have your postal address. And as for the title, would you also go away?、Uh, you can download our booklets on the internet, or you can order by email or by post. And first, I'll give you the postal address. Search for Truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester, LE5 6LN, UK. And now here's our email address: sft@churchesofgod.info. Now, if you wish, you can download MP3 versions of some past programs, or you can use the podcast player on our website. You just go to www.searchfortruth.org.uk. Some Search for Truth booklets are also available at Amazon.co.uk forward slash Kindle eBooks. I、uh, just type "Search for Truth" series into the search box, and there's many more titles being made available, so it's worth multiple visits. So that's all we have time for. It's been great to enjoy your company, and we very much appreciate your interest in our programs. So please join us next week if you can. But for now, it's very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers, and me, John. So cheerio, and may God richly bless you. <laughs>